Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining another episode of Harbor Technology Group's The Perfect Storm. Uh, today, joining me, I'm really excited to have the Technical dire- Director of Cybersecurity at Corvid, Corvid Cyber Defense. Joining me, John Britton. Uh, John and Corvid have been a longtime partner of Harbor. Um, so I thought we'd have uh, John on to talk a little bit about Corvid, uh, what they do, where they come from, and then we'll see where the conversation goes from there. We, we do have a, a semblance of a plan to, to maybe talk about CMMC, and we'll get into those gory details in a bit. So, hey, John, how's it going? It's going well, yourself? Good, thank you. Um, thanks for joining, uh, of course. Um, so tell us a little bit about Corbett. What do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Corbett Cyber Defense are a managed security service provider, so slightly different to the average MSP as our main focus is on cybersecurity. And our goal is to provide military-grade cybersecurity as a service for growing organizations and municipalities of all sizes um, who want to provide or protect themselves with a superior uh, solution uh, for a very adaptive changing landscape. So really what has been kind of traditionally technology for bigger firms, large enterprise companies, you guys right-sized it for the mid-market so that yeah. small, smaller businesses can do the right thing to protect themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, historically, obviously being in cybersecurity, there's a lot of um, organizations that will go out there and you know want to get the best technology but can't afford it or end up having to lock themselves into contracts with the service providers for you know five six years but you know five six years ago cybersecurity wasn't what it was today no. so there's no constitution to say that that technology used today will be right tomorrow let alone in six years time so our goal is to provide and take all the stress away from the organizations by us managing it and you know collectively because right. we're buying it on mass we're able to provide it to the small medium businesses at a price point that they can actually you know afford Right. Yeah. Because, and I know this from, from working with you guys, you're using, you know, world-class, uh, world-class technology in your platform uh, that just, you know, small and mid-sized businesses couldn't get close to if they were buying it on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the other emphasis on that is, you know, technology on its own is inadequate. It's not very well 
it's not very good if you don't configure it correctly. So, uh, you know, we've got the best in brand technology, but we're also compensating that with, uh, sorry, complementing that with our technical engineers on the back end and our 24 seven sure. support. So, um, you know, I have always said bad technology configured well will always supersede good technology configured poorly. So our goal is to obviously, again, have that adaptive framework, but bring the expertise to the table. So as although we are providing a service, it's really a partnership, which hopefully eliminates all the needs and resources that organizations struggle to get hold of by obviously utilizing ourselves. Yeah, and I mean, you touch on what probably is the, the most salient point, which is even if the, a small firm or a mid-sized firm could afford the technology, finding the operators to, to kind of manage the, the, the stack, uh, the tech stack uh, is uh, darn near impossible at this point. There's a negative... Uh, unemployment rate within mm -hmm. uh, cybersecurity. There's just not enough uh, good people to go around. Um, so are you guys doing anything cool in and around uh, CMMC? Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about your approach? Um, tell us a little bit about CMMC and where it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are a defense contractor ourselves. Uh, COVID Technology, our parent company, you know, they've been working in the uh, DoD space for 12 years. And prior to us actually becoming COVID Cyber Defense, we were just solely a managed service provider. And COVID Technology bought us because they knew the need. And with all that, you know, that uh, the evolution of everything that we were doing previously with NIST 800-171 um, has meant, you know, it's become a great time for us to adapt and have a new approach to not only provide the technologies, um, but also provide the services that help organizations correctly mature their organization security approach to meet realistically the standards de defined within CMMC, but ultimately protect themselves while doing it. So uh, a big emphasis of it, uh, of our efforts this year are to, you know, with the partnership through Harbor, you know, provide them services to organizations uh, in order to, you know, get themselves compliant to work within the uh, DOD supply chain. But, you know, the fundamental premise of that is to make sure that they're protected and, you know, uh, compliant within all aspects of their business. That totally. And you, you touched on something that we talk to our clients about all the time, uh, not just not just uh, defense sector, but, uh, you know, whether you pour concrete or are an insurance mm -hmm. company, et cetera. The idea of being compliant, it, although important and sometimes can be the, the tail that wags the dog, it doesn't make you secure. And, and CMMC actually tries to take security first approach, but it is a regulation nonetheless. So why? Why did CMMC come about? Like, what what was the impetus for the federal government to change uh, how they they go about securing the the industrial base? Yeah. So um, the premise of uh, you know the um, research and development is the U.S. government is spending more money on the research, and a lot of the times the products that they're researching don't ever get to the development stage. And, you know, I'm not trying to point a finger or two, but, you know, uh, the Chinese have some very similar uh, jets and planes and stuff like that, where a lot of their money goes into the development and it's because they don't have to do the research. So the defi uh, defense supply chain obviously identified that third party risk was obviously the biggest uh, issue within their arena, because as much as they wanted to, you know, protect the Pentagon, the army, the Navy and all that stuff, it was unfortunately, you know, Bob's um, manufacturing shop down the road, who's 10 man uh, shop have very little security or IT knowledge, but they are housing the sensitive information that is enabling, you know, foreign entities to be able to steal and, you know, not have to put any money into the development because it's already been done for them. So, uh, 
you know, the basics of it is just to protect the data on all accounts, whomever is utilizing it. Right, right. And uh, I mean, two things that, that I want to touch on there. It's super interesting to think about it from, forget the security aspect of it, all of that. It's, it's kind of time to market for products and the cost of getting product to market. If you look at it from a traditional standpoint for the Chinese, using them as the example, you know, their ability to, to build a jet fighter that looked very similar to, to looks very similar to some of ours, they don't have to spend all those resources, time, money, uh, et cetera, to develop it um, or to research it, excuse me. Mm-hmm. They just have to, to build the, the machine itself uh, and get it out there. So was there a failing by kind of that, those, those subcontractors, that, that third party environment for the DOD? Were they doing things that the DOD didn't think was up to snuff, like you pointed out. Yeah. The Navy, the the Pentagon, they've spent billions of our tax dollars uh, securing those environments, and the weakest link seems to be or continues to be the, the third party environment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't know if you can really put a nail on the head of like who specifically where specifically the data's come from, but you know, there's a good inkling, especially how we see it over other industries, that the smaller shops are the ones that are the easiest targeted. And as we've seen with the evolution of cybersecurity over the years, you know, these smaller companies are now more interconnected than the larger ones, but also are more vulnerable. So, you know, as a hacker, you can be a bit lazy and just target the smaller shops who don't have the appropriate security, you know. And, and this is all in protection to, you know, protect the information. But the other aspect to all of this, you know, as uh, ransomware as a service becomes such an ease for, you know, anybody to go buy ransomware and, you know, take down a business. The other pieces to that then are, you know, what are the disruptions to the defense supply chain? So, you know, ultimately they've got to still deliver their, you know, aircraft carriers, their, uh, you know, jets and stuff like that. And if they can't be developed because, you know, these small 15-man companies are going under because of ransomware and you know all of a sudden you have this half a million um subcontractors dissipate dissipate to a hundred thousand and that means that the u.s government cannot still generate and build uh, and complete the projects that they have been doing for years so you know puts a lot of scrutiny and stress on the infrastructure sorry the supply chain itself uh just from you know keeping these businesses in business it's so spot on because i think us in security often get get uh, caught up in the kind of the security uh, confidentiality top secret aspect of information like oh my gosh information in the wrong hands but as you said rightly so you know a company gets hit with ransomware and they've had to fold because of it which happens all the time all of a sudden the supply chain itself is in jeopardy forget the fact of whether trade secrets are making it out there now that they can't complete the osprey helicopter or whatever it might be um, so it's such an important thing. So you, you keep on talking about small and mid-sized companies, which are obviously firms, both of our companies uh, service. So what do you think the right approach is for, uh, for an SMB to, to, to take on CMMC? Yeah, well, the, the biggest conversation I'm having at the moment is when, like, when do right. I start? And obviously, one of the M's in CMMC is maturity. So 
the aspect just on maturity is, you know, it's not something that you can build over a weekend. It's something that's got to be in place in, for months. The other piece to this is, and what I like how the CMMC have broken out into five different layers that although only three of the levels are really utilized, one being the entry point, three being the kind of first stepping stone into, you know, uh, controlled unclassified information and level five being that where the Pentagon or a Lockheed would have to sit. But um, the biggest temperature, you know, is people are, well, I'm not going to get hit by a contract that's going to be under CMMC for a while, which is a true statement. It is a bit of a lottery in terms of you can roll them dice and hope it's not going to hit you for the next two years, but eventually it will. And, you know, a lot of the conversations from, you know, the first rule within CMMC talks about active directory, but it also talks about having a managed LAN, which is the, um, the switches that connect all the uh, P uh, PCs together. And, you know, a lot of the conversations I have, a lot of people don't have that. And that's a six month endeavor. It could be thousands of dollars that they've got to go through. So rather than companies jumping straight into what's pre-known as a readiness assessment or trying to apply themselves to get an audit, we're finding a lot of people are just wanting that, you know, secure gap assessment that focuses on CMMC to kind of give them a gauging point of A, what level do I need to be at? B, how far away am I? And C, you know, what would the value be? Because there's going to have to be a very hefty return on investment calculation made of, you know, is the push worth the squeeze? If I'm going to have to increase my spending by X, uh, you know, is that still going to open up profitability? Or do I need to then change my contractual cost and potentially lose out on the DOD altogether? Right, right. So if you're that 15-man shop that is DOD-centric and, and really singularly focused, the choice is kind of made for you. Either you, you decide that you're not going to pursue this and close your DOD business altogether, which may mean closing the company mm -hmm. or, you know, biting the bullet, so to speak, um, and, and, and charging down the CMMC path and charging being, it is a, it's a, it's a more time consuming process than, than people might actually realize it's you, you reference six months. I've often said to people, it's similar to maybe getting SOC 2 type 2 from a timing perspective. It's, there's a, there is a, a number of hurdles you have to jump through that just can't happen over a weekend or over a, a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is a process. And whether we want to, uh, you know, whether we want to go down this road or not, the DOD is going to push uh, organizations to do so to continue to compete in that, in that arena. Um, what was I going to say along those lines? The 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 for the SMB, I mean, do you think that we're going to see small businesses opt not to do this? I mean, are, are, do you think that this is the, that may be too onerous? Is there a chance that they they take their foot off the gas when it comes to CMMC, or does it seem like they're locked and loaded and moving forward at this point? Wow, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. If they're 100% committed to the DOD, they've got no choice in it. But then right. there are a lot of uh, commercial off the shelf uh, type companies who, you know, may have a 20% business that comes from the DOD. So ROI will obviously put emphasis on that. And, you know, when, when, last couple of years, artificial intelligence, code blockchaining, machine learning, all these buzzwords and cybersecurity and the fact there's lack of jobs, uh, sorry, there's lack of people for jobs, unfortunately emphasizes that people are somewhat unethically going to be putting a lot of zeros at the end of services that they provide. And, you know, that can have a huge impact on an organization where, 
you know, I, I not do the math now, but if they've been selling service for $10,000 and all of a sudden to become compliant, they need to be spending, you know, $10,000 a year to get that compliant. That also means that they've got to change their business model to be able to incorporate mm-hmm. that new cost. So there's a lot of unknown uh, aspects of this and there's a lot of fear as well. This is, um, you know, PCI came out with one uh, compliance statement quite a while ago, and you know there was a lot of scrutiny around that. Now, with NIST 800-171 and working with the DoD for the last you know 10, 15 years, it's self-audited and you know it's word of mouth. Whereas now to become compliant to level three within CMMC, there is 130 controls that you're going to have to have an auditor who's getting scrutinized by a company that's getting scrutinized by a company getting scrutinized. So all of a sudden you're going to have 130 controls that have you know eight different variant options to them. So if you're the auditor who's being scrutinized by someone being scrutinized, you're going to check every single box. So there's going to be no leniency on this. And that again adds a lot of fear because you know, 130 controls, if each one of them have five different variants, you know, very quickly, you're looking at 650 options that you've got to make sure that you've got written in correctly. Yes. Uh, you know, there's no no more of this kind of, well, the auditor could sway one way or the other. If there's any sway in it, they're just going to say no. Right. And, you know, that puts a lot of fear into people because there is going to be a potential, you know, um, high ask for cost in terms of services and audits and stuff and as you rightly know because you know Matt we use you guys to be our VC so for many of our clients you know this is going to be a you know a lot of pressure um, not only on your side to achieve everything to the right level but also we're going down a new a brand new compliancy framework which I like the fact that they're doing it because everybody's now at least going to be for a while speaking the same language that's right but at the same time it still isn't complete so it has that scrutiny to change. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you totally. I, did I, well, a couple of things. Um, I really appreciate the little bit of a plug there with the VC, so I thank you very much. Um, I, th- I think what we've, what we've found with the clients that we work together on and those that we work separately on, there needs to be some type of, some level of expertise to help walk these firms through the, the exercise, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of controls. You mentioned 130 that need to be addressed. There's all sorts of variations on those controls to make sure that you're that you're you're meeting those uh, those thresholds that an auditor would come in and say yes, you're doing X and Y and Z correctly. Uh, with that said, and and we'll we'll kind of wrap it up here a little bit. Um, isn't there? Did I read this correctly that there is some consideration that these companies can. Uh, include the cost of being CMMC compliant and going through the certification, roll that into the contracts. Is that, am I speaking out of turn that I, I thought I read that. I've heard that a lot of, and you know, that kind of goes back to the aspect if they were paying 10 grand today, they're getting 10 grand in profit, but then to be compliant, that's where it's going to go, which then again, puts a lot of scrutiny on you know, the DOD for all of a sudden, they're now going to be very cost effective. So if you've got to increase your cost to the DOD by X, a lot of the time in the DOD, it's not necessarily how much service you provide because the person collecting and choosing the contract, all they're looking at is the bottom line. So, you know, they're going to go for that good cost and good service. So if all of a sudden everybody's increasing their cost, because we've had to cost about a million times then, but 
I've been talking to clients and trying to work out what kind of quotes they're getting. And a 10-man organization, we heard that they got offered a 10 grand pre-readiness and also $100,000 pre-readiness. You know, So it, again, it's going to be slit through in terms of how much cost you're actually paying for your services. And then, yeah, you can quite easily apply it to the contract for the DOD, but then right. the DOD might go, well, that's an extremely aggressive <laughs> increase and not take you. And then all of a sudden you've risked a lot of, profitability and all that stuff and you're then having to question well can we cut our cost even though now we're having to pay for services that yes they're keeping us secure but you know you've got to pay to play and it kind of gets very aggressive because you know some clients may be lucky you know they may find a client a company like ours and collective to be able to provide them the services but you know we talk about the smb that makes up 90 percent of the dod supply chain right and there aren't many companies like ours that solely work in the DOD, uh, sorry, the small medium business arena. So, you know, you might end up speaking to a company that services the enterprise and you're going to end up paying enterprise pay, uh, enterprise costs. Right. Right. Well, so in closing, can you give, give the folks that are listening that are, that are concerned with CMMC? Uh, I mean, uh, every, obviously they're all aware of it at this point, or they should be because their, their prime should have reached out to them and asked yep. them some questions, but are there like maybe three tips that you might give, like where to look for the right provider, you know, what to look for, et cetera. Yeah. So um, the CMMC dash AB, uh, which is the uh, approval board, they do have a marketplace that enables people to be able to go onto their website and actually see people who have been proactive to take and register themselves as trainers um, who are educated within the arena. Um, fundamentally i'd suggest that that would be the best place to go obviously if you're listening to this uh, podcast you know you, you're speaking to two of the organizations within that arena uh, right. so look no further um but ultimately on that what you're really looking for is and you know it, it, outside of the dod it's just somebody who really understands what you're after um it's not necessarily a scope of you know what i john britain at covid cyber defense is selling it's more you as the client, what do you need? Because for the most part, you might already have some of the technology. So you can save costs by having that tuned appropriately. Um, or if you don't have it, you know, you need to know where to go to get that. And, you know, that can be somewhat of a challenge where, again, you start Googling the wrong words. It's just adding zeros onto the end of your paycheck yeah, that you've got yeah. to look for. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, I appreciate it. Um, good conversation about CMMC. Um, it's, of course, it's a complicated, uh, ever-changing world, or, it, or maybe not ever-changing as much as just a little bit, still a little bit foggy on when certain contracts are going to require it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So um, totally shifting gears and to finish up here, as we say, ask all of our guests, um, can you give us a, a, you know, being Harbor Technology Group, we, we think about the water, we're, we think about the idea of safety around harbors. Can you give us a great spot for a beach or a harbor <laughs> that you love to go to and, and grab a bite to eat or a beer or whatever it might be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so me and my family, as you can tell, I'm from England. My no, wife's from no. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's from California, so she always goes on about compromise. So we're very new to the North Carolina area by six, seven years. Right. But, um, we recently found a uh, a place called Seabrook Island, which is uh, south of Kiowa Island. Uh, it's more of the commercial side of the island, but it obviously opens up a little bit cheaper uh, resort, which is very fam family friendly. Uh, it's 
Kiowa, as you can imagine, we just came back from it. They just hosted the uh, uh, the golf, and obviously right. it was quite busy. But there's some real nice, niche little hidey holes around that area. Um, obviously, if you're scared of alligators, it might not be the best place. But um, the one selling point for us is we have two dogs, a Vichler and a German Shepherd, and their whole beach is, uh, apart from the area where the turtles are, at, are dog friendly. Oh, that's great. So take the kids, take the dogs and, you know, Airbnb accommodation and it's beautiful. Perfect. Great advice. Great advice. Great suggestion. Um, we were just down in, in, in South Carolina as well. I wish we would have this conversation beforehand. Um, <laughs> anyhow, well, John, thanks again. Truly appreciate it. Um, and you and I will probably talk tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. Right. Thanks. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.